Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Shirley. Shirley is a woman who wears many hats, hairstyles, and heels. I wish I could go back to wearing heels, Shirley, but I can't. My feet just don't do it anymore for me. It's not even funny. Um, As a connector and change agent, Shirley possesses a wealth of knowledge, experience, and expertise in human resource management, building better relationships, and empowering women to be their true authentic selves. She doesn't sugarcoat her message, which is perfect because you fit in right here with me. (laughs) Um, She tells you like it is and how it needs to be said. Shirley has been married to Vincent King, Navy veteran for 27 years and counting. Woo! They have a daughter, Valencia King, who is also an inspirational speaker. It's a family thing, which that's, that's impressive. We got two inspirational speakers in one family. Woo! Yeah. Um, well, Shirley, <laughs> my thank husband you so- never gets a word in. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, Shirley, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're quite welcome. I'd love to have you kick it off. So when you um, applied, you talked about depression and anxiety and menopause, and you said they all go a little bit together <laughs> for you. So, I mean, start, start at the beginning. Where, where do we need to start when it comes wow. to your story? Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me on your show. I am definitely um, excited about talking about this because I think it's an issue that we as women don't talk about and we try and um, hide for it or we get embarrassed by it. And it's something that needs to be discussed because you'll become the person that needs to talk to, that needs to talk about it. For example, you know, you wish your parents talked to you about this, but these are things that by the time it hits you, you're like, wait, what? When did my mom leave that conversation out? <laughs> So yeah, it is um, anxiety, depression, and menopause is something that affects everyone. Um, there is no one in the, no one is exempt for it. Um, if you're a woman, you're definitely not exempt from menopause. The question is, to what level are these three things going to affect your life? Um, I brought you some statistics. So for according to the ADAA, anxiety and depression association of, of America, African Americans, which I am one, are more likely, or 20% more likely to experience serious mental illness mental health problems than general population. African-American youth who are exposed to violence are at a greater risk of PTSD by over 25%. And of course, that statistic can go across the board for any youth who's exposed to violence. Um, anxiety for you know most people who do know, and if you don't know, anxiety is a form of stress. It can be something that you get from work. It can be from something that you get from financial. It can be from school. It can be from mental. You just never know why these things come up. Um, for me, all three of them came and anxiety was the forefront. Again, she starts with an A, so of course she wanted to lead the pack. <laughs> um, I'll start off by saying in 2013, I played, well, I played professional basketball. Let's get that out of the way. Ooh. And yeah, I know I played overseas and I played um, throughout my high school, some college. And then while my husband was in the military, while we were living overseas, I got an opportunity to play. So playing professional basketball all my life. In 2013, I played my last and final game because I tore my Achilles. Mm. So when you have an athlete who is used to being active, I was so used to being active and being on the go. When I tore my Achilles and that injury put me down for eight months, oh, I suffered from anxiety. 
um, the anxiety of how am I going to be fit after this? You know, what am I going to do if I can't play basketball? You know, I wasn't a person who really got into running or anything like that. I like a physical contact, if you will, type of sport. So like volleyball, um, basketball, those were things that I like to do. I really didn't do Zumba or dancing. Um, so it was kind of, for me, I had a lot of anxiety of trying to figure out what I was going to do to stay physically fit. Um, during that time, after the anxiety kicked in a few years later, and I'll go down the timeline, um, that was in 2013. So you have anxiety. 2015, I was going through some things with my business. I'm a self-employed, so I'm an entrepreneur and I have an HR consulting business. As you remember, the government cutbacks and layoffs, so my business mm -hmm. kind of took a hit. So creeped in more anxiety. <laughs> I'm trying to deal with that and just kind of figuring everything out where I'm going to go from there. Then around 2016, boy, I tell you, <laughs> um, I was also dealing with what I was going to do with the business, trying to get my family and life together. And um, so I kind of got into a little more depression. And at this time, these things were undiagnosed. And I didn't know that just because I was going through it. And I wasn't seeking medical help because you, you just kind of, as an African-American woman, you just, you know, put on your big girl panties and you deal with things. Mm -hmm. um, around 2016, after my husband and I got into a car accident, a car accident is when I actually started seeing someone for uh, a therapist for PTSD for after the car accident, which is at, which enlightened me about anxiety and depression because I was seeing her for something that was physical to me and these other things were more emotional. So it wasn't until the physical aspect of anxiety and depression hit me that I had realized I'd been dealing with this for over two years. Mm. Um, so I started seeing a therapist and we kind of got into the depression aspects of, you know, what happens after you're in a car accident, what happens after you, you know, uh, tear your Achilles and you can no longer stay physically fit the way you used to. I um, started seeing her and that's when I realized, okay, so I am dealing with something here. And then in um, shortly after that, after the car accident, of course, now I have to try and figure out what's going on with, you know, everything. That depression pushed me right into menopause. <laughs> so to backtrack that, 2013, I'm dealing with anxiety from tearing my Achilles a former athlete who now is bedridden for a long period of time, who's trying to figure out what to do with herself. Then in 2015, um, the business of mine was kind of suffering. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I have a lot of anxiety about how am I going to continue to make money? How am I going to be, you know, a, a part of the financial plan of the family? 2016, my husband and I get into a car accident. Um, so there, that leads into more anxiety and depression. And then, like I said, in 2017, by the time I was going to the doctor for the PTSD, that's when we realized, okay, so I had a lot going on and there was the depression that pushed me right into menopause. And the one thing that we were able to notice about that is because when your vitamin D is low, that's a kind of a sign. So that made us start looking into other things. So once we realized my vitamin D was low, and we started talking about what was going on in my life. You know, we kind of got the diagnosis with the depression and started addressing that. And then here comes Miss Menopause wanting to turn everything else upside down. So when it comes to the menopause, did that make the depression and anxiety worse? No, because I now had a name for it. 
I think had I not gone to the doctor um, for the PSD after the car accident and went into menopause without knowing that, then I think that depression and anxiety would have really taken over um, my life. But because I was in the process of dealing with it with the therapist because of the PTSD, I was able to put my finger on it to say, okay, wait a minute, let's, let's pull it all together. Let's face what's going on. This is not just me. This is a medical condition that women go through and it affects all aspects of your body. It affects you mentally. It affects you emotionally. So learning to deal with that and knowing I already had a name for it was very helpful for me. So how did your anxiety manifest itself? Like what kind of symptoms did you show? Because everybody is a little different in what they see or what they feel, I should say, not even see. Like you said, it doesn't even show itself at the time. You just start feeling all these things. Yeah, you just, you, just, you don't know what's going on. You don't know why you're agitated with people. <laughs> you don't know why you're uh, aggressive or passive aggressive. Um, for me, it was like really my family saying, you have been snappy lately. And I'm normally a pretty even toned person. Like I'm either at you or I'm relaxed. <laughs> um, but for when my family started telling me that I was being snappy, I was like, okay, let, let's really take a deep breath. And of course, in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that there was something going on because again, my body was reacting differently. And I knew it wasn't just because I wasn't as physically active as I used to be. I knew that things were compounded onto that. So not only was I not physical active, physically active anymore, um, the weight gain from being off on an, on an Achilles injury um, came on. And then the fact that I couldn't take that off as fast as I used to, those things just really kind of had me on edge. Um, so for, again, for me, I think going back to say how I identified is really with the family saying you've been very snappy. Okay. So what sort of things did you learn in therapy that helped you manage your anxiety or helps you manage your anxiety today if you still experience it? I think for me, again, it's being able to put a name on it and being able to pinpoint, okay, this is not normal for me. So if um, I get aggressive or if I get, you know, too cautious about something or if I'm agitated about something, I just take a deep breath. And I just say, you know what, let's, let's think about what's going on and put this in a category because if it's not who I am, then I know that it's something being brought on for another reason. Yeah. Deep breathing really helps me too. I've been dealing with some anxiety myself right now. <laughs> so <laughs> lots and lots of changes, which just makes the anxiety bubble up. Um, but deep breathing is definitely one of the things that I, I use like deep belly breathing. Oh, one yeah. of the things my therapist is like, you know, you should be able to feel your belly actually go up when you breathe in and go down when you breathe yes. out. Um, yes. So that was one of the things that, that I, I learned recently. I knew about deep breathing. I thought I was doing it right, but I was doing it all chest breathing and not in my belly. Right. So right. she taught me it should be belly, not chest. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And those are some of the things that we need to know. You know, we may think back and, you know, if you've ever taken anger management, like I have guilty as charge um, back in high school, <laughs> you know, they used to tell, you know, count the 10 backwards and take deep breaths. You know, that's the baseline of it. But until you really see someone professional to know how to channel that. So it's not just about counting. It's not just about breathing. It's really about getting in tune with your inner being and recentering yourself for right. me. Yeah. That's, that's, that is really helpful for me as well. And I'd love to have you, since we shared a little bit about how your anxiety uh, like 
felt, how did your depression feel to you? What were the kind of symptoms that you saw or felt? I should say, yeah, I keep saying me, saw. Yeah, for me, the depression set in just because I wasn't being as active as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I did go like for a walk or something, it just wasn't the same type of physical activity for me. Like I would do it just because it was like, oh, okay, let's do it. But I wasn't doing it um, because it's what my body needed. It was just like a routine for me. Um, for me, the depression was not being able to maintain good sleeping pattern. Mm. Um, that was one of the things where I knew something was wrong as well, because um, a sister likes to sleep. <laughs> I like to get my six hours. I'm not one of those who can get eight hours, but I need my six hours. Anything under six, we're going to have some problems. That's how I feel about eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get there. <laughs> well, I should say seven and a half. Cause like it takes me about a half an hour to fall asleep. And then about seven and a half hours of sleep is what I, I usually get. And I have a sleep app and it tracks my sleep you know, the REM sleep and everything like yeah. that. I guess it's by the movement so that I can hear while I'm sleeping. But anyways, um, apparently I get some pretty decent sleep, which is like, why am I so tired all the time? I don't know. Um, yeah, and that's because your your body may be um, resting, but you're not truly at sleep because some of us, our minds, and they're always going, it never turns off. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband's like, I should put a pen and paper in your hand when you're asleep. He's like, because I swear you're writing another book. He's like, he's like, I can tell you're just making plans. You're doing this, you're doing that. He's like, but you're not resting. <laughs> so what's the name of the book that you've already wrote? Um, I've actually written two. Um, I have a third one coming out um, at the end of this year. The first one that I wrote was called Power Moms. And that's a collaborative book that 12 mothers and I got together so that we could discuss some of the things that we as moms go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 12 women telling our story about you know what it's like being power moms, if you will, or women in power, women in relationships. So what's and the number two? Number two is a book called Soul to Soul. I love that book. That actually, that's the book that actually put me on the bestsellers uh, category <laughs> for the Amazon bestseller. So that one is also a collaborative ep- effort that my husband and I did. So this one, my husband jumped on board with me and this was a couple's book where set, eight couples were number eight, got together to write our stories about marriage, love, and relationships, being that we have been married 27 years. I figure we got a little bit to say. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, just a little bit, you know, and especially being a military spouse and surviving mm-hmm. the military for 27 years. You know, he served active duty before he was retired out. And um, that in itself can be a challenge. So our chapter really talks about how we made it through those years being active duty and also during the time that we, he was not active duty. Yeah. How did being an active duty military spouse affect your mental health? Cause I know, I mean, I've talked to many military spouses on this podcast and it's always some, it's the same, but different for everybody. Oh yeah. Everyone's story is different, be it army, Navy, air force, Marine, because every, the branches are different. So those relationships are going to be different for us. The biggest challenge was the separation because he was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. So my husband actually did two deployments on two different ships and those were six months at a time. Mm -hmm. And that means he was gone six months consecutively. And that meant at least three months of prep time 
So within that three months of prep time, they would be in and out 10 days in, 10 days out. You're describing my life right now. (laughs) (laughs) So nothing has changed. (laughs) And I tell people we survived it before social media. So we literally put into paper to write love. We're submarines. So there's no social media for that. So yeah, well, I mean, at least there's the email, so I can't, I can't complain there. At least I got that. Yeah, I, I remember getting um, one of the, uh, I think the award was called Best, uh, what was it? Best Care Package. Because Aww. I would send him, and this was back in the day with the little eight, not eight track, but the little cassette players, the mini cassette yeah. players. So I would literally have the tape recorder going from the moment I woke Valencia up till the time I picked her up from daycare and I would say okay say good morning to daddy so she would say good morning Aww. daddy we're getting dressed I'm brushing my teeth I'm eating you know I'm feeding Jojo or you know mom's dropping me off now and then I turn it off until we picked her until I picked her back up and she'd be like hey daddy it's me mommy made it finally Aww. to pick me up <laughs> she's always telling on people <laughs> and so then of course she would say good night to him and I would send him the tapes you know so he would listen to it on the recorder on the walkman because this is back in the days of walkman yeah. <laughs> and he um I remember the captain then would be like your wife sends the best care packages Oh, so that's, um, that was, that, that was a life. So I applaud you as a military spouse. I know the challenges you're going through. Um, unfortunately, sometimes you feel like a married single parent, which it can bring on anxiety and depression in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we, we make it through and you will make it through as well. Yeah. We just, we just moved a couple months ago. Uh, Um, I say that was May. But that was a couple months to me. So we just moved and he's been out a lot since we moved and um, prepping for deployment. Yep. And uh, so it's been, it's been a lot. It's been really hard. So just talking about depression, anxiety, I'm like, yeah, that's right up my alley right yeah, now. She's like, oh, I know these <laughs> kind of first name basis. <laughs> Who are we going to be today? <laughs> right, exactly. So I'd yeah. love to, you, when you applied, you said something how you'd like to discuss, um, how depression and anxiety aren't really um, talked about in minority communities. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. As an African-American female, that is, those are things that are kind of just kind of brushed under the carpet, if you will. And it's not that they do it intentionally. It's just that stereotype of, you know, the black woman being the superwoman. Um, just, and I think it just comes back from you know, the days of when we were enslaved, and I hate to bring that up, but it's just a fact that, you know, the male was not home. So the African-American woman had to take care of everything. Um, So we have this unforeseen cape that everybody thinks we can handle anything and everything. And a lot of times we don't know when to stop, take a break and say, you know what, I can't handle everything. I need help. Yeah, yeah. So how did you learn how to ask for help? Sometimes it's really hard for people to ask. Yeah, again, I think mine was by default. It was because of the car accident, honestly. Um, Having PTSD after the car accident, not being able to sleep without hearing the sound, the crashing cars, you know, pushed me to go ahead and see a therapist. And it was at that time that I got to label some of the things I had been going through in the past and realized, oh my God, you know, you may be going through PTSD now with, you know, anxiety, but I've dealt with this before. I just didn't know that was a name for it and it wasn't diagnosed. 
um, because you go to your physician and they see you once, maybe twice a year. Mm. And for the most part, you know, if you're a happy-go-lucky person like me, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, even-tempered. I'm always, you know, upbeat and, and ready to take on the next challenge. And I think when I went in to see her, because I was just like, look, I'm definitely not at the point where I want to harm myself, but if somebody else pushes me, (laughs) they're going to get it. (laughs) Um, So that is, I think, also a stereotype that people think that, you know, if you have anxiety or depression, that you want to harm, harm, that you want to cause harm to yourself. And that's not Mm -hmm. the case. It doesn't go from zero to suicide. You know, there is this all in between that you have to deal with. Mine was literally, I said, okay, I'm about to go off on somebody if these people don't get off my back, (laughs) you know, and with the car accident, it was just like, I could drive. um, But it was just like the paranoia of being on the road. And then again, not being able to sleep through the night without hearing the constant, you know, sound of the impact from the cars. Yeah. What would you say are some signs that somebody should reach out and and get some help? um, If they're listening and they're like, you know what, I don't know if I need help. And I, and maybe they were brought up in the the mindset that, you know, you don't ask for help and you, you don't do that, but what are some signs that maybe people should look for, um, so that they should know that they need to ask for help? Yeah, I would definitely say, speak to your primary care physician. That's what they're there for. They are your primary point of contact. They're there to be that in between, let them know what you're going through, whether you're not sleeping at night you know, whether um, you're not resting throughout the day, whether you can't concentrate, whether you just have the feeling like I did, like I'm about to snap on the next person that calls Mm -hmm. and says something negative to me. (laughs) Um, Because that can't be every day. That shouldn't go on every day. (laughs) I know occasionally, every now and again, we're like, okay. But if this is something that's reoccurring with you and you just feel like at any moment you're going to snap on someone, it's time to ask someone for help. And just talk to them because they're Again, this is not a zero to 100. There is levels to anxiety and depression. There are mild and moderate cases. And when someone has a mild case, they really can't name it and label it like I wasn't able to. It really was up until the car accident that I realized, okay, something's not right. So if you're getting that gut feeling that something's not right, talk to your physician and let them guide you to where you should go or what you should do next. Everything doesn't lead to medication. Everything doesn't lead to you having a label for the rest of your life. It just needs to be addressed so that you can get things off your chest. Because sometimes it could be as simple as you really just need someone to talk to to get some things off your chest, and then you've let it go. That's what anxiety is. Sometimes it's really tension and it's frustrations. You know, depression may be a little more intense where you have signs of depression because, like, like I said, you could feel have a severe or amount case. Um, but just knowing the levels of where you're at and when something's not right within you, talk to someone because if you feel it's not right, you got something going on. What are the consequences of somebody not getting the help that they need? What could you see as a consequence for that? Like what, what could happen? Definitely. I think they could cause harm to themselves or someone else if they don't know what they're dealing with. Um, and there could also be for mothers or fathers or adults not identifying what you're dealing with will then lead your children into that same situation. And they'll think, you know, oh, if mommy, you know, was able to live and raise kids in this condition, then I could be able to do this. But that's not the point. So if you really want to, your children to be able to know that there is no 
fear. There is no label. There is no bad way of dealing with anxiety or depression. Then you need to deal with it yourself and talking about it. Definitely talking about it is the first step. Right. And I think it's really important that when somebody feels comfortable uh, sharing, like we're sharing right now, now you don't have to share in a podcast. That might be a little extreme for some people. Right. right. There's levels to everything. <laughs> right. But, you know, sharing with those around you uh, because it's, it's really hard to struggle alone and not um, let other people in, especially those that are closest to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I tell young girls and women alike, follow your instinct. We have a sixth sense as women. You have a gut instinct, follow it. If you feel like something is not right within, just talk to someone. Talk to your pastor, talk to your doctor, talk to your counselor, talk to your friend, talk to someone, talk to someone until something clicks mm -hmm. and you can get a label and a diagnosis for what's going on with you because it's not, it's not a bad thing. We all need help. Right. And we have to be our own biggest advocates. You have to, you know, no one is going to take care of you and love you more than you. I think your parents tell you that from a young age, who loves you more than me? Only God, you know, so love yourself, treat yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually, and listen to yourself so that if you find that you're in a bind or you're just confused about what's going on, again, talk to your doctor and allow them to help you guide through the process to get to some kind of recourse as to some kind of solution as to what you may be dealing with. Now you're a mom and I'm a mom. How um, did you talk to your daughter about these sort of things? Um, for her, um, because she was slightly older, I just told her, you know what, mom, mommy doesn't have all the answers. Mommy doesn't have a super cape. And it, she was one of those, I actually had a conversation with her and said, you know, I don't have a cape. I don't know it all. I know you may think moms know it all, but we don't know it all and I can't handle it all. I'm going to need help from the family. I'm going to need more input from, from the family. I'm not going to make all the decisions for everyone anymore. People are going to have to start stepping up and helping out. And so that was one of the conversations that she and I had because we were in business together. And she understood. And I just told her, I said, you know, it's, there's a feeling of overwhelmness um, before you get to really knowing if you have anxiety or depression and you have to listen to yourself to say, okay, if I'm overwhelmed, what can I take off my plate? And that's one of the conversations we had about mom's getting overwhelmed. What can I take off of my plate? What can you handle? What can daddy handle? You know, as you get older, you, you get wiser and you realize you don't and you can't handle it all. Yeah, that's how you burn out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Burnout exists. It's a real thing. A it's lot of people don't think thing. it is. <laughs> and it's not about street racing burning out. <laughs> no. It is about as a mother, a wife, a sister, a friend, a community mom, a, a community advocate, you can get burnt out by not knowing your limits, by not knowing when to say no, and by not knowing when to say, I need help. It's okay. Mm to say, I need help. That's why there are trained professionals out there. That's why there are doctors, therapists, counselors. Talk to someone and let them help you, guide you through a process. Now, before we wrap up the podcast, I'd love to, since you touched on menopause earlier, mm -hmm. just to go back to that and talk about some of the symptoms that you felt and how you were able to process through that. Because that can be a rough time for women. Um, I know for everybody, it's a little different and mm -hmm. we all experience things different, but this is, this is a major life transition we're talking about. 
Oh, yeah. And it's normal. And I think that's what women fail to remember that menopause is normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to get around it. The condition is something that all women will experience as we age. And that's what we all want to do is age, correct? Because if you're not aging, that means you're not here. So I take my birthdays with pride. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Because that means I am alive. (laughs) So um, the term menopause can be described in several reasons, in several ways. Any changes a woman goes through either just before or after she stops uh, menstruating. Um, marking the end of her reproductive system. And that's where, where her reproductive, if you will. And I think that's where women get nervous and scared behind the word menopause. Don't be. All you're doing is going to another, another side where you're going to save some money in the long run. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, the symptoms were the hot flashes. Mm. I remember I was actually speaking. I was the speaker at an event at a conference and on stage, I broke out in a complete sweat. And I was thinking to myself, what the hell just happened? What is going on? And my husband was in the audience and he just looked at me and his eyes were so big. And I was just saying to him, just don't stare at me. Don't stare. <laughs> and so when I was done and he just looked, he's like, what happened? I said, I don't know. Cause I, I'd been, you know, my body temperature had been okay all day. And then when that happened, I think like the next day or two, I was um, here at the house just kind of doing some things and broke out in another complete sweat. And I was like, oh, okay, hold on. Let me call the doctor. So I called my doctor to get my blood work done. And here again, me thinking I'm a superwoman, that I was going to fight the fight, not go into menopause until after the age of 50. Um, my blood work came back and she said, you are paramenop- you are premenopausal. And those are words I just had to suck it up and deal with. But at least it gave me some, again, a name and an identity as to why the hell I was having these hot flashes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that, that's the part we're not going to do. <laughs> so for me, the hot flashes uh, was one of the first symptoms. Then uh, a couple of times I had some night sweats. Um, and then the texture in my hair changing again, every woman is different. Um, but for me, when my texture of my hair started changing, I was like, hold on, wait a minute. (laughs) There's some things you can deal with, but you can't mess with my crown. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, again, after I, um, put two and two together, went to the doctor, we started talking about, you know, treatment. And I'm one of those women who, um, I'm a natural type person. So I wanted to see what I could take and deal with without any medication. And we were able to um, readjust my uh, diet, my workout, and, you know, just kind of going deep into a meditation for me. Okay. So what are some tips you have for women that are going through menopause, how they can um, deal with it with such grace as you have? It won't be graceful at the beginning because you got you to figure out how to, you're going to adjust this and how you're going to live with it. Um, but I would definitely say talk to your physician because they know your body next best than you do. And then they know what's new out there because everybody is different. For even for me, I went to my mother and I was asking her, you know, what did she do? You know, and she kind of talked to me about some of the things that she did and, and times have changed. Um, so, and I told her I didn't want to take any, you know, additional medication. Um, that was just me. And I was going to try the natural way and the holistic way, which worked for me. Um, and it may not work for everyone, but again, talk to your doctor, 
let them put you on the best path for you and what's going to work for you. Be prepared. I think also, here's a good one that I did. Once I realized it was menopausal, I got a bunch of pamphlets and I wanted my husband. I was like, here's your reading material. (laughs) Together. (laughs) So you need to understand some of these mood swings that are about to come and these night sweats and, you know, some maybe the hot flashes. So I educated the family on it as well. And that helped me out a lot so they wouldn't just look at me and stare and wonder, is she going crazy? They actually knew that I was trying to figure out how to now readjust my life um, with the new phases that I was going through. I think it's so important to have those honest, open conversations with our families and close friends about all the things that are going on with us. Because otherwise, how are they supposed to know? Yeah. And they don't know. They just really look at you sometimes like, oh, she has really lost her mind. And it's like, no, I haven't lost my mind, but there are some parts of me that I'm losing right now. So let's figure out what it is. (laughs) Right. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about on the podcast today that we haven't covered yet? I think we did pretty much cover everything. Like I said, um, for women of color and minority women, I do encourage you to not be afraid to talk about um, anxiety. Don't be afraid to talk about depression. Don't be afraid to talk about menopause because it's something that can affect all of us in, in any shape, form, or fashion. And I think the more you at least say it and talk about it, the more better and educated we'll be to deal with it in the event it does come across your path in the form of either through you or through a family member. Yeah. So as we wrap up the podcast today, Shirley, what is something or a collection of things that you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with? Be inspired to be you. (laughs) And no matter what phase or change that is that you're going through, um, it's okay. As women, we have the right to um, change our mind, hairstyles, and heels as often as we want to. (laughs) I just encourage women to always be educated on what's next. I think that helps out, especially when you're, as you're getting older, read books as what happens to women when they're in their thirties. If you're in your twenties, when you're in your twenties, when you're in your thirties, read books about what's going to happen when you're in your forties and forties and your fifties. I think once you read and get educated on that, it helps out the process when it does occur because things will occur. Yes, things will occur. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Shirley. You are quite welcome. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.